Hey there, welcome to the Underground Sessions podcast, where we have courageous conversations at the intersection of faith, culture, and politics, all with a biblical worldview in mind. We're so glad you're joining us today. My name is Bob Erbig. I'll be your host. Uh, I'm joined today by Hawk Ng, who's got a background with Bell Labs, semiconductors, and multimedia research, and has a vested interest in artificial intelligence. I think you'll really enjoy this interview. Uh, also, as a reminder, we're doing an event uh, based on this on November the 4th. Uh, go to our website, www.millingtonbaptist.org, to sign up. Uh, all these interviews that are coming down the pike are going to be related to this topic, and so I hope that you join us. Uh, hit the subscribe button, and now enjoy my interview with Hawk. Glad to have you here on the, the podcast today, um, Hawk AI. Man, that's something everybody's been talking about in the last uh, six months. And, um, you know, I've been following this for a few years. I'm sure you have too. You work in the field. A couple of years ago, I picked up this book. Did I mention this book to you, The Big Nine? No. Big Nine. So this woman, Amy Webb, uh, she is a, um, I think I heard her introduce herself as a quantitative futurist. Okay. Did you even know that that was like a field? No. Nope. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> so she basically comes up with these predictive models of where things are going to go in the future and then and then does the best she can to, to, to mm-hmm. figure out like, you know, where, where life is going to be. And then she advises right. companies based on that. Right. Um, uh, I'd have to go back and look. She had like a, like a, basically a, a really good scenario and then a really bad scenario and then a medium scenario for, for all of things that were coming down related to AI. But the, the book really goes through uh, what she calls the big nine companies. So three are in China, um, six are in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Uh, and these are things like Facebook, Amazon, uh, Google, mm-hmm. um, and, and others, um, Microsoft, and uh, talks about their development of AI and where that's, where that's going. Now, th- this was, I would say, uh, six years ago, five six years ago. So things mm-hmm. have made a big a big difference since then. Right. And now, it, I think the tagline Mark put for the event we're having on November fourth is "What was once science fiction is now part of everyday life." <laughs> but but yeah, like yeah. in the last the last six months, I think it's 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 on top of mind for everybody. So right. maybe maybe I would ask you the question. You know, when when most people think about AI, mm-hmm. uh, there's probably a picture in their mind. What do you, what do you think people were thinking of when? When we say artificial intelligence, I would say probably robots. You know, robots taking like, over like the, the world. The iRobot, the Terminator, that yep. type of thing. Yeah, is is that still part of your like when you talk with people? That's what they think. Sometimes it really depends on you know where they're coming from and how much exposure they have to technology. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But the folks I speak to, a lot of them are in in tech, so you know they're more aware of just the you know the more practical uses of AI rather than something that's futuristic yeah what we see in the movies yeah now I now I imagine we'll, we'll get into this a little bit later in our conversation here but one of the things that she she makes the point of saying in this book that mm-hmm. was helpful for me a number of years ago was it's it's not going to be this robot thing although maybe there, there will be robots right, right like you'll have you know assistants like on the Jetsons back mm-hmm. in the day uh, Rose the the maid mm-hmm. who was a robot um, and others right um, but it's more about things like um, Amazon will. The word she used was nudge. So when you go right. and you do a search on Amazon, mm-hmm. and you decide to pick a book or you make a post on Facebook, mm-hmm. the algorithms then will nudge you in a certain direction to right. uh, to optimize what you like, mm-hmm. and 
and the point that she made in the book is that especially when it comes to social media, then you're only interacting with people that basically agree with you and you're not seeing posts of things that disagree with you. You're not getting uh, recommendations for books that, that right. you know, aren't in your your interest mm-hmm. uh, sphere. Right. Um, and her argument was that, that that's going to make the world a, a worse place with less less discourse. But that mm-hmm. that's basically how how AI is kind of working. It's it's learning things and then it's optimizing stuff for you, at least at least in that case. And I think things have changed a bit since then. Mm-hmm. Um, so 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 the question then is what is artificial intelligence? Is is that a is that a new concept? Um, how far back does this go? Is it really something that happened with chat GPT, which we can get into later on? Well, as an academic field, it started somewhere around the 50s. Uh, okay, so officially a, in the 50s. It's a formal academic field, but you know, you can go back into time. There's always people imagining you know, about automating things. And so you know, there's probably fiction that's being written about you know, a machine that can think like a human even right. before right. that. Right? So, I mean, in the early days, we have things like um, computers that play chess, you know, mm-hmm. and um, I don't know if you remember this, but early in the day, there was a program called Eliza that you could talk to. I don't remember Eliza, <laughs> but that would be fun. I think it was on uh, Apple II. You had, Eliza was a text-based program that you could chat with it, like it's a okay. psychotherapist, and it would give you responses. Yeah. Uh, but of course, that was you know very primitive form of something simulated as if it were a human giving responses yeah. to you. Well, yeah, and certainly, again, like science fiction shows, mm-hmm. whether it was um, a Star Trek or, or right. Star Wars or whatever, there, there was robots right. that were interacting with you. Uh, maybe more recently, there was, a, I think, a movie with Joaquin Phoenix called Her, where basically he develops a relationship with mm-hmm. a computer interface that... Um, is almost like a, a companion for mm-hmm. him, uh, which isn't isn't so far off now right. in terms of where things are going. Right. Uh, what's your view on? Uh, I know people people have I've heard people even say things like um, like the braking system on your car mm-hmm. is a form of artificial intelligence because it's it's I guess programmed to do something that then then it accomplishes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I've heard people categorize things. In the way of saying, well, th- this is um, the two categories I've heard are strong AI and weak AI, mm-hmm. or uh, other people will talk about artificial narrow intelligence, artificial general intelligence, mm-hmm. artificial super intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, have you heard those categories? Are they helpful? Yeah. Or are there other ones that are better? I mean, general artificial intelligence would be something that would uh, behave almost as a human, you know, have sentience. Uh, whereas uh, currently today, most of the AI is, as what you said, is narrow AI. It's very specific towards uh, an, a type of application, right? Whether it's understanding images, understanding audio, and so on. Yeah, and people and people have programmed it to do a specific thing. It's not right. necessarily learning and and evolving, so to right. speak. Right. So there could be a distinction between just programming something to carry out a certain task uh, versus a program that actually can learn from from the data that it has access to. And so we can talk about that. You know, that's more of machine learning, where it's the computer um, based on the data that you feed it, feed, feed to it, is able to then make predictions. 
on yeah on music. yeah so wh- so why don't we talk about that because I think there's a lot of terms that people maybe have heard out there in the ether that they don't mm-hmm. quite know and honestly I will say I've heard a lot of terms and I'm not sure how to define them all so one of them what you just mentioned is machine learning mm-hmm. um, large language models. Mm-hmm generative AI. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there's a bunch of others. Right. What, what are the, if, if somebody were to understand what's going on with artificial intelligence mm-hmm. now, what are the terms that they, the basic terms they should be, they should understand? Yeah. So I would say the, that machine learning is a subset of the general field of artificial intelligence. Um, so machine learning then has its different subgroups within it. So as you mm-hmm. mentioned, large language models. So that, that that's a, piece of machine learning right okay right so large language <laughs> models became popular in in general um, culture because of chat GPT which is based on a large language model ah uh, okay right but machine learning has uh, many different uh, areas within it so something as simple as um, you know statistical prediction of let's say a, a price pricing of a house in a certain area that is also part of machine learning but that's not using large language models so so what what would it be learning it's it's something different it's learning based on the data that it has access to so let's say housing prediction prediction of housing prices would be a good example so if you feed the the algorithm a whole bunch of data about the housing market in a certain area so you have let's say um, in a certain county in the state you have houses with X number of rooms, you know, a certain square footage, uh, garage, number of bathrooms, and so on. And based on historical uh, house prices, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that algorithm then can predict, given a certain type of house, what would it, what would it be its uh, market value? Uh, so that's something that if, if you ever gone on Zillow, you know, it uses that in the type back of... end. Zillow has a machine le- machine learning algorithm that predicts what would be. But that's different model. than a large language model, right? Large language models are typically for uh, what they call natural language type applications. So, so if I want to act like I'm talking to the machine, right. it would be using a large language model. Yeah, things that thing. involve yeah. words and language would be using gotcha. large language yeah. models. Yeah. So if I put into Chat GPT, "How are you doing today?" it will respond to me. Right. <laughs> so. So like chatbots, chat a lot of chatbots today will right. be using large Which is something models. we see a lot. If you, you go on mm-hmm. a lot of people's websites now, there's a chatbot that pops up and says, how can I help you? You right. know, what can I, and you right. know, mm-hmm. good. Yeah. All right. What, what other terms should we, should we know about? Um, I think primarily, you know, you have the difference between artificial intelligence and machine learning. Um, you, you mentioned large language models. Uh, then generative AI is something we haven't talked about yet. Is, is that the yeah. thing that's used more in like an artistic field? You you say create something like this and it will generate, or is the, is that different? In in some senses, yes, it covers that as well. But um, generative AI could also cover just the um, natural language uh, applications. So even a chatbot is part of generative AI because it's generating what would be the word that will come next. Okay. So you can use generative AI in in um, just language. You can use it for generating audio, music, images. 
videos. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole mm-hmm. range of applications for generative AI. So where, where would people nowadays see that in their everyday life? Just the chatbot feature, or is there is there other examples of where they would see that? Uh, one area that's gaining a lot of popularity is um, in terms of generating text. So, for example, there are many applications on different web app- websites now that allow you to create. Let's say you want to create copy for a, you know a certain product. You could tell the program you know describe what your product is and say, I want to generate marketing copy for my product. So if you're launching a new book on a certain mm, topic, okay. you could say, you know, act as if you are a marketing expert and generate for me okay. the creative copy for promoting my book. So it would then you know, write out the script for what you would have to yeah. use. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I had a, a friend tell me, it was a couple months ago, um, uh, they were using whatever the new, uh, and maybe it was the new ChatGPT thing, they mm-hmm. used it to make a resume mm-hmm. or, yeah. or uh, put a job posting out there. Right. And you can start to see where that, that may be really helpful in terms of saving time on mm-hmm. more quote-unquote menial tasks right. that people might have to spend a couple hours on. Right. N- now the AI can do it in about 30 seconds, right? right. Yeah, so that's... You still have to go back and edit it, though, because right. <laughs> I sent you the... Um, did you get to listen to any part of that podcast I sent you the other day about the... No, I haven't had a chance. So, okay, yeah. so let me... Uh, so basically, this guy was talking about um, investing in AI, mm-hmm. but one of the, the points that he, he made at the, in, in the middle of the, of the um, interview was to say that large language models, um, uh, they, 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 they are helpful, but they aren't always right in the answers they give right. you. Mm-hmm. So he used the example of a... A more complex math problem. Mm-hmm. So let's say I put in what what is um, like what's two plus two. Right. Well, it got that right. But mm-hmm. then he put in what's what's seven hundred thirty nine times twelve divided by six. Mm-hmm. And he said I kept putting that in and different ones that were features of that, right. and it never got it right because the way that it it figures things out is not it's not really doing the math. Correct. It's looking for patterns out right. there somewhere on the internet, mm-hmm. and if you're putting in something that's not as common. Um, it's not going to get it right. Yeah, and that's a term called hallucination. Which <laughs> so the machines can hallucinate. <laughs> right, which is a term you'll see often in terms of uh, when people talk about tools like uh, ChatGPT. So halluci- hallucination is simply the algorithm giving you information that's not factually correct or sometimes not even you know, physically possible. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you brought a good example. So something I did the other day was I was um, testing out um, this new feature that ChatGPT has, which is you can upload an image to it, mm-hmm. ask it to describe the image, and, and tell you what it is. So I had I had taken this image that was an aerial shot of a parking lot with cars, and I asked it, tell me, or count the number of cars in this image. And then I compared it with manually counting it, and it never got it right. So there were. So that's interesting. So yeah. why is that? It, it wasn't looking at it and counting. It was well because for a pattern of some kind, or in the background, it's running. A, it's creating a program to be able to understand the image. And part of understanding the image is it has to extract what it thinks is a car and be able to 
to segment out cars in that image. So there's a step of segmentation, which is, you know, that's given the image. I'm think I think that this is one car, this is two, and so on. And then it counts the number of segments in that image. Um, so depending on the sophistication of the algorithm that it has access to run, it may mm -hmm. not be able to do that. So there is technology that gotcha. can do it much more accurately today, but it's just not something that's integrated into some of the tools that the commercial gotcha. tools that we have access. Is that why when I go to log into certain websites, they make me look at images and say, which boxes have a street sign? <laughs> right. <laughs> so it's interesting. The computer you, can't figure it out, right? Interesting you brought that up because that was a way for some of the companies to get training data that's okay. being fed back by a human. So if I have access to all these images, I want to tell which one's a car or a bicycle or a bridge. I use it as part of that verification process, which actually serves a double purpose of you giving me actual human feedback into ah, okay. what a human thinks Dual purpose. is actually a bicycle versus not a bicycle. So if I use that... So my answers can be used against me at some point in the future. No, it's used, they use it to train then the, the algorithms because, okay. you know, people are doing this millions of times a day, that means that they have so, you have so much data that sure. you're able to train on. Sure, that's good. Yeah. All right, so why don't we move into, uh, just for, for the average listener out there, uh, everyday life. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and we started to talk about this right. uh, a little bit, but but we're, we're, what are other examples, uh, are if, if you are the average person out there now, where mm -hmm. are you interacting with AI in everyday life? And how do you see it changing everyday life? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, in your opinion. Yeah, one example that uh, that is very common is uh, voice assistance. So when mm -hmm. every time you talk to Siri or Google Voice, that's some kind of machine learning algorithm in the back end. I called up somebody the other day, and yeah. Google answered and said, <laughs> hold on a second, let me see if he's available. Right. Said, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's one area. So every, every time you talk to Siri in the background, it's running an algorithm to be able to you know, understand what what you're saying. Another very common area is um, every time you turn on Netflix and it's recommending shows to you, mm -hmm. that's also a machine learning algorithm okay. in the back end, looking at your previous, the, you know, the previous shows you watched and... You might like this because you right. watch this, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, or Amazon recommendation, like based on your previous shopping behavior, they think that you like a certain type of product. Um, and social media, right? If you go on Instagram, you go on Facebook, it it highlights certain types of uh, posts or news stories mm -hmm. based mm -hmm. on what it thinks a person with your profile and your set of friends would like. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, those, those are some good examples. Mm -hmm. um, I've heard people talk about how um, AI is just going to kind of upend the economy to some mm -hmm. extent. Like people are going to lose jobs and not in what we thought. Um, where, where do you see, um, or, or I should say, what, what industries do you see being most affected by that? Because that's somebody mm -hmm. watching here today may say, well, AI is coming in and it's going to affect my, my work. And probably you're already seeing it affect your work because it's changing the type of mm -hmm. job you're being asked to do. Right. Um, so education, I mean, right, mm -hmm. right now we talked about this, um, on one of our recent behind the pulpit podcasts. Mm -hmm the uh, uh, the big strike out in in Hollywood right part of that was 
we don't want you to be able to use AI in art creation. Mm -hmm. Like Tom Hanks says, in the future, you may see me in movies, but it's not going to be me. It's going to be an image of me that was that was created through AI. Right. Um, Yes. So so what so what industries do you think will be most affected by this? I think a lot of the industries that require jobs that can be performed following a set of directions or a set of rules mm-hmm. will be most impacted. And you can kind of see what's happening now and extrapolate that to the future. So, you know, we have we have uh, self-driving cars mm-hmm. as, a, as a good example. So in the future, you could envision that, you know, uh, truck drivers may be put out of work or school bus drivers, right? And if you think about it, what is it that makes driving a truck uh, replicable by AI? It's because it's it has a set of rules. I want to get from point A to point B, and to get from here to there, I need to follow a certain route. And even driving on the highway, you follow a certain set of rules. And once you can automate that or use a machine to replicate some of those rules, then you know those yeah. types of things could uh, possibly be impacted. Wasn't well, the thing that's holding up the self-driving cars is more about who's liable if there's <laughs> yeah. if it makes a mistake if the car winds up right. crashing and the algorithm fails and yeah. somebody dies who's responsible? Right. Uh, you're not going to sue the the computer, are you? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's a whole other conversation. That's you know the legal implications, <clears throat> right, of, right. of something something like that. Um, but I've generally heard though. I mean, what you're getting at is is uh, fields like um, like nursing mm-hmm. um, are probably not going to get replaced mm-hmm. by robots. Mm-hmm. Although I think people are working on like companion mm-hmm. bots right, uh, to be there right. for people. Um, at some point, but not not full on, right. not full on nursing, and anything that requires more critical thinking skills mm-hmm. is, is probably not something that's going to be right. um, replaced by a by yeah. a robot. And I th- I think we shouldn't focus on the aspect of replacement, which mm-hmm. is a lot of, uh, which is you know <clears throat> generating a lot of fear about you know all this AI and algorithms going to replace my my job. Mm-hmm. But we should be thinking about it as in terms of augmentation, like how can it mm. help me do my job better? Yes. Right. Then or it I frees you up to do other things that you weren't able exactly. to do if you had to. Right. Yeah. I mean, there, there's aspects, I'm sure, of any job right. where uh, you say, I just have to do that. I don't right. really enjoy that. And right. if I could offload that to somebody else, that, mm-hmm. would, be, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that I can focus on the things I really want to do. Right. Um, right. I know. I know. In the at least in the artistic field, uh, there was a lot of conversations on will will uh, AI be able to create things like art mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. Uh, poetry and things like that, which it seems to be able to do. Although, um, you know, you put it and you say, could you create a poem in the style of uh, right. of Blake or, or whatever, and it it'll, it'll search and it'll find that and it'll right. it'll make something. Right. Um, I've had people suggest to me, you know, you could just ask it to write a sermon for you, mm-hmm. which. I, yes, it could do that. That mm-hmm. still doesn't feel right to me, but uh, <laughs> it, it could do things like that. Um, yeah. So basically, what it does, what it's good at, is imitation, mm-hmm. and also, let's say, putting things together, mixing and ma- mi- mixing and matching different things. Right. Right. So, you know, if you think about it, can AI cr- create a Tolkien and produce work like Tolkien did? Right. Probably not. 
right? Or it, it certainly can't do it without Tolkien himself, right? Because right? it has to look at what Tolkien did. Right. So yeah. it can look at his whole body of work and say, okay, this is his style, and these are the type of characters and you know, just descriptions, and give you something similar. Or you could say, I want to mix and match, you know, uh, Tolkien and Shakespeare, you know, whatever that right, would give you. Right, and make a, make a novel. Right, yeah. right, exactly. But it's not going to be able to uh, create something totally new. I'm not, I'm not sure if that's the best way to put it, but, you know, it, it can only know or learn as much as the information it has access to. Right, right. So are, are you of the mindset, do you think at some point there's going to be this conscience robot, like this this idea this super intelligence is going to be able to basically be capable of human functions. It's not going to need somebody to program stuff in there. I mean, that's sort of the... I, I've heard people say that's never going to happen to some people say that's within the next 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> it just seems like disparate opinions on when that might might come to come to pass or not come to pass. Yeah, I mean, whether something has conscience is you know, is debatable depending on how you define it. So, mm-hmm. but I think the uh, the the danger is that you could leave machines uh, you know, you could automate things and leave it to the machines and algorithms to mm-hmm. run. And um, the fear is, you know, what happens when, you know, it goes beyond the, the bounds of where you expect that, you know, it would normally behave. So, you know, let's say self-driving would be a good example, right? You can train it as much as you want, but there are always going to be situations where the machine has never encountered such a uh, you know environment before and then how will it be able to react so you you might expect to go from los angeles to new york and somehow it winds up in uh, you know canada somewhere mm-hmm. because of whatever happened on i66 yeah. right <laughs> or let's say you know you're at an intersection and it's a self-driving car and you know there is a dog crossing the street and on one side and a person on the other side. And, you know, the car cannot stop in time. What decision is it going to make? Yeah, so it's got to right? decide between the car and the, the human. Dog. Right. And it doesn't know what to do. Right. It has to decide between, you know, you know what is the value of a dog versus human, right. let's say. Right. So... Um, Let's talk a little bit about some some theology here. Do, mm-hmm. do you think that um, the current forms of AI uh, will change the way? And let's not even talk about Christians. Let's mm-hmm. just say society at large, the mm-hmm. way they view um, humanity and answering the question, "What does it mean to be human?" Yeah. Um, I mean, I see a lot of people in the tech field talking about how this is like uh, a new form of. Humanity, we can somehow embed mm-hmm. our consciences in, in computers. I mean, that's even been played out in, in, mm-hmm. in, a, in some movies. Um, the whole transhumanism movement. Yeah. yeah. You have thoughts on any of that? Um, some of it. You touched on this before when you said that you know, one of the things it could do is that it could free us up to have more time. Mm-hmm. And you think about it, even today, <laughs> what are the things that frees up our time, right? You have a washing machine and a dryer at home, a dishwasher, 
all those things are technologies that free up your time. Mm -hmm. And then you could argue the same for AI. You know, a lot of things that we can automate or have AI help us can free up our time. So then the, the question would be, what do you do with your time, mm -hmm. right? Do you want to spend your time on, you know, leisure activities or, you know, and which leads to the question of why am I here and what's the purpose of my, my, my life, right? Am right. I here to just maximize my, the enjoyment of my life mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or am, am I here for a bigger purpose? Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's something that um, AI probably can't answer for us. Mm -hmm. You know, certainly right. we would think that if you're a Christian and you're created in the image of God mm -hmm. uh, in Genesis 1, mm -hmm. um, what does that mean, mm -hmm. right? Can a machine be right. made in the image of God? Mm -hmm. I, I would say no. Right. Um, that we, we bear something unique as image bearers and representatives mm -hmm. uh, of God. And so it's, um, it, it is worthy of us to think through what does it mean to be that, to image God in the world and to view right. um, machines mm -hmm. as a, like you said, a, a tool to help us better bear the image of God. Mm. I don't know if that's a fair way of saying it, but yeah. um, like if Chris Dowden was here, um, shout out to Chris, uh, he'll, he'll be on the panel for the actual event. Mm -hmm. The illustration he gave me is, um, so ChatGPT, and you said this before, it's not going to replace me as a computer programmer, but I'm a better computer programmer with ChatGPT on my side, assisting me and helping me. Mm -hmm. So it can, I think the word you used Again, was augment. goes back life. to augmentation. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so you, you started to get into this idea of, of work. And this, mm -hmm. this all, I mean, it does take us back to, you know, in Genesis, mm -hmm. creating the image of God, we're put in the garden. Uh, to do work, mm -hmm. and work is a good thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things that people are thinking, just practically speaking, right. if my job is not augmented, but it's totally replaced, mm -hmm. so to speak, so mm -hmm. using the the illustration of the um, the, the truck driver, right. um, what do I do for work? Right. And, and, and it's painful when you lose that because mm -hmm. uh, I think we were made to work. Right, exactly. And I think that, you know, work is, the nature of work, changes all the time mm -hmm. right you have like you know when you went from you know horse and carriage to the automobile <coughs> then you know you instead of having people you know driving the carriages you have people driving buses and, and trains and things like that right so you know if you look at it you know the 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 work of a software uh, programmer didn't exist many many years ago and mm -hmm. now it's common. Uh, and it's going to be the same with AI, right? The, the type of work you do is going to change. The nature of work is going to change. So it's more of a matter of uh, being able to retrain and adapt to the environment than trying to stick to, you know, the way of doing things in the past. Right, right. So, yeah, the but, adaptation for the stuff that's coming down yeah, the road. But I think the work will always be there, and, you know, we can talk about meaningful work in a different conversation. Sure, yeah. sure. So if you had to give a biblical view of AI, could, could you do that? Is there such a thing as a biblical view of AI? Yeah, I'm not so sure. I think that, you know, one of the things that I thought about as I was driving over is um, another instance in Genesis, the Tower of Babel. Mm -hmm. Right. Sure. So, if you think that about, didn't turn out so good, huh? <laughs> if you think about what 
what were the intentions of people when they built this tower and gathered everyone you know, to have a common language? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Some of those things, you can draw parallels to in in, with AI, right? Uh, this whole you know, utopian dream that you know, humanity can create things that uh, you know, create almost like a utopia for, for human beings. And we we know that uh, you know that's just not going to happen because of human uh, sinfulness, sinful and at nature. some level we're gonna we're gonna mess right, it up. Right, right. But yeah. you know, but there are good things. I, you know, like AI is uh, making it easier for people to understand different languages. You can mm -hmm. you know, you oh, yeah. ask it to translate a, a certain piece of text into a different language, and it can do that. Yeah. But there's always this danger of you know. Like, what's the ultimate purpose of you creating this technology, and um, who ultimately gets you know glorified with it? Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, let let me take it in a different direction on the theological um, question. So I, I heard a um, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with John John Lennox. Mm -hmm. He's a apologist in 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 the UK, mm -hmm. and uh, he he I heard him do an interview on this. He also wrote a book called uh, Twenty Eighty Four, mm -hmm. uh, which was focused on. Uh, the artificial intelligence question. But one of the things I heard him do in this interview was basically say or speculate that in the future, AI <clears throat> might be the Antichrist. Mm. And his reasoning for that was that it's really it could be really good at uh, deception, mm -hmm. which is what, what you see the Antichrist doing in mm -hmm. the book of Revelation. And, and I think about things like the deep fake mm -hmm. stuff on the internet now, where right yeah. now you could take our images, our voices, and make a video that's right. not us. Right. Um, people are talking about AI and election interference or mm -hmm. destabilization of the globe. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I thought that was an interesting concept. I'm not totally sure what I think about that, but uh, that, I guess that is part of the theological realm in terms of how we interact and what we should be using right. AI for. Yeah. I, I guess it gets more into the ethical issues in AI. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so just like anything else that's a tool, AI is a tool that can be used for good purposes or bad purposes, right? Yeah. So, yeah, there was a guy, um, I think he was from Microsoft. It might have been Balmer, Steve Balmer. Um, I forget the name. Mm -hmm. Wrote a book called Tools mm -hmm. and Weapons, mm -hmm. and it was all about the AI stuff. Right. So it could be a tool. Right. It could also be a weapon, mm -hmm. as with a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. And, and thinking ethically about how we use it right. is good. Yeah. So maybe for the last section, um, thinking about applications, we, we did this. Um, I did this on a retreat recently. We, th this topic came up, mm -hmm. and we were talking about um, brainstorming the benefits of AI, the dangers of AI, and then the questions we should be asking ourselves as we're interacting with them. So I thought maybe we could do a lightning round here at the end mm -hmm. and start with what what are the benefits you see right now of AI. Yeah, the benefits um, that people should be be, be aware right. of. In ter in terms of um, learning, definitely it's beneficial um, because you know it has because it's trained on all the information that's available available on the internet. You know, it can you know get relevant information for you at a faster mm -hmm, faster mm -hmm. pace. Faster than Google itself. More, I would say, more relevant. Okay. Uh, maybe not faster, but more relevant. So rather than doing a Google search, I type the same question into ChatGPT, and it's going to be more helpful than right, if I right. go on Google. 
if you go on Google, it doesn't really, um, let's say, compose the answer mm. for you. It just gives you the links that you, it thinks right. are relevant, and you have to still. Go I have to, to do more work. With go Google. to those links yeah. and read through the articles and things like that. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, so for instance, if you um, take a an application, let's say you want to understand a certain passage in the Bible, right? You could ask it, you know, tell me more about, um, uh, you know, John chapter three, for example. Mm -hmm. And it could, if it had access to, let's say, commentaries that are available online, then it could, you know, compose that answer in a form that's, you know, a lot, a lot more meaningful than just a bunch of links for you mm, to go and, gotcha. and, and check out. Okay. Yeah. So what are when well, I wonder some of the dangers of it do you see that we should be aware of? Um like you mentioned the deep fakes, you know, the the false information with generative AI you could create all sorts of images that are not real. And so the danger is uh, uh you know and I can easily do that myself, right? Like there's apps where I can go in right yeah. now and create a mm -hmm. essentially I could create a deep fake of myself. Yes. Yes, and you, then put it out there somewhere. Right. So you know, it has you have to be discerning enough to know like what is real and what's not real. Um, and you know, there are there are people thinking about these issues and trying to create ways to you know counteract all these uh, deep fakes. Um, so that's just a general part of. Being in a company now, right? Right. You're creating cybersecurity against this stuff. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and social media also is mm -hmm. a danger oh, sure. yeah. because uh, you know behind the algorithms are always people, and the it's the people who decide you know what is what is good or what is you know what is not good. What is not yeah. good. And so you know when when the algorithm decides what are the news items that should pop up in your feed. It kind of has the the power to influence, right? The things that you see mm -hmm. and sure, and uh, how you think, yeah, about events that are taking place in the world. Yeah, that's that's one of the issues she in this book I mentioned before. She brings mm -hmm. up is that uh, there is always a group of people that are programming the machines you're interacting with, mm -hmm. and they may not look like you, and they may not think like you, right? And they may have ulterior motives, like right. you're bringing up. So we right. have to be very very discerning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the questions you think people should be asking as they interact with these various artificial intelligence platforms? Just uh, is, is there a rubric of things I should always ask myself when I go on social media or when I'm doing a search or, or whatever it is? Yeah, I think one of the things for us not to forget is, you know, the ability to think critically about what we see, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Even the way we interact with the tools. Uh, we need to be able to kind of understand what's going on behind the scenes for it to mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know produce the results that it produces. Yeah, and that's one of the things that people will will critique nowadays mm -hmm. is that we have a lot of information, but we've we've lost the ability to really think the ability and the skill to think critically through all the information that we've been given. Right. And that's something maybe we need to recultivate in, right. in our day and age. Right. I think exactly. is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Good. Mm -hmm. Well, anything else on the benefits, the dangers, the questions, um, any, any parting comments? Cause I think we'll, we'll come into about the end of our time here. Yeah. Um, 
it's it's a very rapidly evolving feel. Mm-hmm. So, and by the time uh, people watch this, things might be completely different. Right. <laughs> by the time you watch this, you know there'll be another ten different AI tools that enable you to do <laughs> all all different types of things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's you gotta be able to move and bob and weave with uh, what's coming out there. Yeah. Yeah. Create it's exciting, new- but also intimidating. Yeah. And uh, hey. Yeah. It's the way it is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, Hawk. Well, thanks for coming on and giving us the, the basics. Uh, hopefully, this was helpful to you. As a reminder, there is an event on um, November the 4th, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. You'll be seeing this episode before that. Go and sign up online, uh, millingtonbaptist.org. Uh, we're going to be having more conversations about this as well as um, having uh, some creative interaction with AI at that event. So we hope to see you there. And uh, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're going to be putting out more of these podcasts as it relates to the underground sessions.